You're listening to the Jewel City Podcast. You can join us in person Sundays at 10 a.m. or 6 p.m. We have something for all people and all ages. Or join our live stream at 10 a.m. In this podcast, we'll hear a message from Pastor Rita. Can I get an amen if you think that Jesus Christ is coming back soon? The next sound we hear may be the sound of the trumpet, may be the sound of Messiah's footsteps coming through the clouds to gather his church away. I'm excited, but tonight we're going to talk a little bit about um, what Jesus is going to do for you tonight. I'm just going to preface this by saying, I always like to start off with something a little funny. Those of you that I greeted this morning, you probably already know this, but what did the prophet Daniel say to his real estate agent? I'd prefer a house with no den. Okay, I want to ask you, I'm going to do something in the beginning here, something a little different tonight. Some, some of you that are in my, my life groups that I frequent quite often, okay, already know this. But not long ago, and I'm, I'm glad that I said something to Miss Nancy. I made it voiced to Miss Nancy. I was sitting at my desk back there in the office, and I just felt impressed to go buy a couple dozen roses and take them to the life group. And I knew when I got to the life group that night what I was supposed to do with them. But as I sat there at my desk, I thought, hmm, I don't think the dollar store would have two dozen roses. And if I went anywhere to get them, I was thinking, cha-ching, 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 how much is this gonna cost? And then I thought, do I even have time? Because I pick up a lot of people en route to the life group. So I thought, I don't know. So I, I went in and I told Miss Nancy. I said, Miss Nancy, I just feel like the Lord told me to go buy a couple dozen roses. I don't care if they're real or artificial, just long-stemmed roses. I need a couple dozen roses. But I said, I don't know if I have time and I don't know if I have the cash to go to a florist and buy two dozen roses or, or whatever. And uh, so I didn't do it. And I was home brushing my teeth and my sister came over we live in a duplex. She came to my side, and she said uh, she had two dozen roses in her hand. And I said, what are you doing with two dozen roses? And she said, well, one of these dozen roses is yours. Someone in the church sent you a dozen roses and sent me a dozen roses. And then she said, but I'm leaving right now, and I don't have time to do anything with my dozen, so you can have my dozen too. So I went in and I finished brushing my teeth and I said, well, Lord, you had to buy them and you had to deliver them. But I got my roses. So, and then since then, I felt to do a couple more things. Tonight, I feel to do something. How many of you here tonight have been praying for something for so long? The same prayer, the same request, the same petition for so long that you either feel like he hasn't heard, or he doesn't care, or he's not there, or whatever your rationale is. How many of you have prayed for something so long you've kind of given up a little bit of hope on? Okay, now I see those hands. Okay, how many of you feel like that there's something in your life that you're about to bury? Whether it's a ministry, whether it's a relationship, whether it's a job, 
or whatever it is, a marriage or whatever it is, how many of you feel like something in your life is, is just about you're about to bury something in your life? I see those hands. Okay, now, I got word tonight. Those of you that raised your hands, now this is going to separate the men from the boys here. Okay, all of you that raised your hand, I want you to come and sit in these front two rows. Okay, and if you don't want to, that's okay. But if you, if you want an answer from the Lord tonight, this is just how I feel led. If nobody moves, that's okay. I feel led. Now, me, I'm not backward. I'd jump right up. I'd be right up here. Okay, if you want, need an answer and you've been praying for a long time, I've got a word for you tonight. Okay, I've got a word for you tonight. Buddy, that's going to just about clean the house. Okay. The title of my message tonight is this. We'll wait for you. By the way, congratulations, Ray. I stood for you and I applauded for you this morning, Ray. Okay. I got a word for you tonight. And the title of my message tonight is, the Lord said, tell them I'm on my way. Okay? So he is on his way. He has heard your prayer. He has heard your request. And I hope by the time this message is over that you will know that he is on his way for you. Okay? Now, I'm going to read my text tonight, and it's found in Luke 7, beginning with verse 11 down to and including verse 17. Luke wrote this, and he said in verse 11, And it came to pass the day after that he went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him, and much people. Now when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And much people of the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her. And he said unto her, weep not. And he came and he touched the bier. And they that bare him stood still. And he said, young man, I say unto thee, arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak. And he, Jesus, delivered him to his mother. I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again. When the dead sit up, the funeral's over. So tonight, I want to um, just uh, talk about death for just a moment. You know, when you have a party, death can be a real conversation killer. It can be a real party killer. You don't have a party and sit around and say, well, tonight we're going to talk about death. But just for maybe two minutes, we're going to talk about death back then and now. Now, Pastor mentioned death this morning, and he said, you know, more or less, you can't take it with you when you go, okay? Of course, if you've borrowed money from somebody else, and then you die, you can take somebody else's with you when you go. But you can't take it with you when you go, okay? I've never seen a hearse with a U-Haul behind it. Okay, so death back in, in uh, let's just say my great-grandma's day, okay? If you died, 
they may or may not have an undertaker. Now, and when I Googled this, and, and uh, it says that usually if somebody died, they, they had just washed the body at home. Usually it was washed by a female, and they had just washed the body at home, wrap it in a sheet, put it in a homemade uh, wooden box, cover it with a lid, get a couple ropes, and lower you in the ground. And sometime, you know, they would have a, a viewing in the house. How many remember when they would have viewings in the home? I can remember that. I can remember, um, I've seen some pictures. I wasn't there with my grandmother, but um, there, I, I've been to a home once as a child where there was a young boy that passed and he was, they were viewing him in the home. So things have changed a lot from then till now. Now when you die, you call the uh, funeral home of your choice. And you say, Adam or Travis, somebody come and get, you know, I just lost someone. And they come in this big fancy car and they haul you off to this mansion. Okay, probably a mansion that's better than most of us live in, this big fancy home. They got people to come in and embalm you. They got makeup artists to come in and make you look better when you're dead than you ever did in your lifetime. You know, they can just put all this and cover up all the impairments and all of the scars and blemishes and everything else, and you look real good. They can put a smile on your face, and there's all kinds of flowers and music and, and everything, and they don't put you in a wooden box. They put you in this beautiful lined casket that your family's going to probably take years to pay for, okay? And then they don't take you and lower you in the ground with ropes, they have these metal devices that they slowly put you in. And there's more flowers, and there's people that say nice words about you. Sometimes you ever feel like looking up again and peeking in the casket and say, are they talking about the same deceased I know? You know, they're, they're saying all kinds. You know, you can be a, a devil while you live, but all you have to do is quit breathing, and all of a sudden you become a saint. You know, sometimes that's the way it works, okay? And so I can remember not long ago, um, my sister and I, this has been several years ago, a matter of fact, several years ago, we were in uh, FOP eating, and uh, someone, I forget now at this time, who had passed, and uh, I don't think you could see them till 2 or 2.30 or whatever, and they were at Amos Car Valley, and my godson works there, and he walked into the FOP, and I just said to him, hey, Travis, is so-and-so ready? Because we're eating here now. I'd hate to go all the way back home and then come all the way back um, you know, if, if I, it's another four, if I don't have to, but if I have to, I will. He said, no, they're ready. So I said, okay, then after we eat, my sister and I can just diddy bop on over to Amos Curve. Yeah. So we went in, the room was crowded. And I looked at my sister and I said, do you know anybody? She said, no. So we signed the register and elbowed our way and it was a long line to get to the deceased. So we waited and we took our turn. We got closer and closer and I still was looking for family, friends, Jewel Cityites, anybody, a familiar face, and I didn't see anybody. And we got up to the casket and I looked at the deceased and I said to my, who is that? <laughs> who is this? She said, 
I don't know. So we just said, oh, they look real nice, you know, and hugged the person there, hugged his wife, and I said, let's get out of here. I had no idea. And then another thing that just happened to me at one of the funeral homes, somebody passed away, and I went to see them, and I went in, paid my respects, signed the book, talked to everybody, and when I came out, there was a young lady that worked in medical records at the hospital. I worked radiology. I didn't work directly with her, but I did work indirectly with her. So I called her by name. I said, Tina, how you doing? And she said, have you seen my mother? And I said, no, I haven't. I said, you know, I usually bump into her at uh, Denny's. I'm a breakfast person. I'm an early person. She was breakfast and early. And she said, well, she's right in there. I said, okay, I'll go say something to her, you know. So I go in, I look all around the room. She wasn't who I went to see. Looked all around the room, and I come out, and I said to Tina, I, I didn't see her anywhere. And Tina looked at me, and she said, she's right up front. You can't miss her. So I, I thought, okay. It still didn't dawn on me, okay? So I went back in, and I was looking all around. Didn't see anybody I knew. And I was looking for Mrs. Mancuso, Tina's mother. Looked all around and finding out my, uh, oh, she's right up front, all right. So I wasn't going to be able to say anything to her. But you know, at the event, when they take you to the funeral home, you know, there's all kinds of good things that happen now at the funeral home. Then after the funeral, they put you in this big, beautiful limo again. The family sometimes get to ride in a limo, and they bring you back to the church, and there's a table laden with food. But I'm here to tell you that whether you died back in great-grandma's day and was put in a wooden box, or whether you were laid out at one of these nice funeral homes with a good makeup artist and all these things, dead is dead. Okay, your heart stopped beating and dead is dead. So in my text today, and I just want to give you a little bit, I want to take you back. This is what I like to do. I want to take you back some 2,000 years ago. Now at the gates of the city is where all the action was. It's where the men of the gates, the city, they would sit at the gates and that's where they usually did business. They bought and sold property there, all kinds of business transactions. So at the city gates, good things happened and sometimes not so good things happened, but they were very, very, very busy. Now, I want you to get this picture in my text, Luke chapter seven. Right before my text began, Jesus was in a town called Capernaum. He did a miracle in Capernaum, but it was not more or less an action. It was a verbal. He spoke it. When the centurion came to him, and this, I'm not going to camp here. This is not my message. It's just that this miracle is sandwiched in between a couple miracles. He said, um, the centurion came to Jesus and said, my servant, my favorite servant is at home sick I'd, and I, I want him healed. And Jesus said, okay. And Jesus started to follow the centurion and the centurion said, I'm not worthy for you to come under the roof, my roof. Just speak the word. Stand right here in the middle of the road and speak the word and my servant will be uh, healed. And this so impressed Jesus. Jesus was amazed. And he looked at the crowd and he said, greater faith in all of Israel have I not seen. Wow. I mean, Jesus was really, he was, he was on a high. 
He was really said, I've never seen such faith. So he spoke the word, never saw the servant. He spoke the word. The centurion went home and when he got home, that self-same hour, his servant had been healed. So now Jesus was in Capernaum. Now Jesus was on a time schedule. How many of you knows that God has a clock? Okay. I don't think I, I, I'm of the opinion and I could be wrong and you may be right if you disagree with me, but I think Jesus has an appointed time to come back. I think that there are signs and times and he has an appointed time. He doesn't know exactly when it is, but God the Father knows and Jesus knows it's not gonna be long. I'm telling you, there's a segment of people that's getting packed up and getting ready to get out of here, okay? So anyway, Jesus now knows that he's gonna go from Capernaum to Nain. Now I did my research. I did the math. It was some 20 to 25 miles from Capernaum to Nain. So he didn't just speak the word and say, now I'm going to Nain. It said he waited a day. Now, we're not given any events that transpire in that 24 hours, but he waited a day. And when he knew the day was up, then he and his disciples and some followers went to Nain. Now, I want you to picture this. This just ministered to me. I, I just put this together this afternoon. And the Lord really wants to speak to you all tonight. He wants to speak to everybody here. And for those of you that didn't have, maybe you've got some arthritis pain or maybe you're just full of pride or whatever, that you didn't come up here. But the Lord wants to speak to you and he wants you to know that he's on his way. Okay? And uh, actually... There's a couple people that's on my paper that I felt like the Lord spoke to me personally and you didn't come up here. But um, the Lord is on his way tonight, okay? So he, he waited for 24 hours. He waited one day and then he and a group of people headed to Nain. Now, it wasn't just perchance. Now, here's how I like to picture it, okay? As he's on his way to Nain, there's a lot of chatter. Can you hear it? Can you hear the chatter? Can you feel the sun beating down on you? You're starting to sweat. Jesus walked all night. Okay, he walked, it was near the Mediterranean Sea, so he had to walk uphill a lot. Okay, he walked maybe through the complaining of the disciples. Can't you slow down? Can't we rest for a while? But Jesus, a must, Jesus walked all night because he was on a time schedule. Okay, he had to get to Nain just about this time. This dead boy was coming at the gates of the city. So I want you to picture him now. He's probably tired. You see, the, on his father's side, Jesus never got tired. He that keeps Israel never sleeps nor slumbers. But on his mama's side, he was probably weary. He had walked all night. He was tired. The disciples had been at him to slow down, to rest and everything. But he journeyed on. Now all of a sudden, now this is just how I pictured. He's coming now to the city of Nain. Okay? And on his left or right, there was probably a graveyard where the caretakers were getting ready for, to lay this dead boy, okay? I know, have you ever passed a graveyard and you could tell by the tent 
and by the caretakers there that they were getting ready to bury someone. I believe Jesus passed the graveyard, and I believe when he looked over, I believe he kind of chuckled. I believe there was a twinkle in his eye and thought these dudes are wasting their time because that kid's not going to need that hole. So he goes on, and when he comes to the gates of the city of Nain, now it says, I want you to see from the, the dead boy's point of view, the funeral was over. All the songs had been sung. The eulogy was over. And they had put this dead boy on a bier, and there was four pallbearers, and they were taking his body to the graveyard, and they were at the gates of the city. And when they got to the gates, Jesus looked over. And when he looked over, he saw this mama crying. The word says she was a widow. And the word says that she was about to bury her last and only son. And probably he was a means of income for her. And as pastor said this morning, the women in those days had their identity in the husbands or the sons, the men in their lives. She had no man in her life now, no husband her only son dead. So who was she? She was a widow of Nain. We don't even know her name. But when Jesus looked over, it said that all of a sudden, compassion gripped him. He was filled with compassion. I'm glad this church is called the house of compassion. And I don't think that was by accident. Jesus was filled with compassion and he was unsolicited by the mother. I'm not even sure that the mother was aware Jesus was in the crowd or even who he was if she knew. She didn't say, Jesus, my boy's dead. She was weeping, she was crying and they were weeping and back in those days they had paid mourners that would follow the, the funeral procession, the beer, and they would cry and mourn after the deceased. Jesus just took it upon himself. He left the crowd. And I want you to get this. He left the crowd, and he went over, and all he did, according to the Jewish tradition, he couldn't touch the dead. But he touched the beer, the funeral beer that he was laying on. Can you see it now? I can see that hand that was soon to be nail-pierced. He laid it on, and you know what he did? He didn't talk to anybody in the crowd but the dead. He addressed the dead man. And he said, young man, I say to thee, arise. He did say to his mother first, weep not. And then he said, young man, arise. And the dead man stood up, sat up, and he began to talk. And so that is the miracle there right within itself. You know, when he went home with his mother, he didn't need the grave that they had for him. I'm going to return to my notes here because I feel like um, that the Lord gave me some definite things he wanted me to bring out today. Okay, so destiny meets divinity in the middle of a dusty road that was not for accident. Now, the word says in John 1:14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. In the Message Bible, I like this. This really floats my boat. And the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. Aren't you glad that Jesus moved into your neighborhood? Now, some people here might not know Jesus, but I'm glad he lives in Mosby Cove. He moved into the neighborhood. He lives in Shinston and Meadowbrook and Clarksburg and Anmore and all of these places. Okay, and so the mama 
moved and touched the heart of Jesus. Jesus and heaven has heard your prayers tonight. Okay, he knows all about your requests. He knows the petitions. You see, he's on a time frame. Okay, now he's coming your way. Now, because you were obedient tonight, because you laid aside whatever you had to lay aside and you come up here and took a seat in these rows, I believe that God is going to honor your faith. He is on his way. And I can say that tonight with a confidence. So tonight... I just want to give you point number one. Don't be discouraged, okay? Lift up your head and live in the promise that he is on his way. He may be somewhere, now get this, somewhere, you see, that little widow lady did not know that Jesus was on his way, but somewhere between Capernaum and Nain, Jesus knew that he was going some 20 to 25 miles, and he waited. He didn't just perform the miracle in Capernaum and then go to Nain. He knew that he was on a schedule. He's on a schedule, and when it happens, it's going to blow your mind, okay? It is going to blow your mind, just like it blew this poor widow, this widow's mind, that her only son was being brought back to life unsolicited. She didn't even ask. You have asked. You have petitioned. And some of you that are sitting out there, you've asked and you've petitioned and you wondered why he hasn't come. But he's on his way, okay? He may be between Capernaum and Nain, but he's making his way toward you. Now, also I wanted to put here, Mary and Martha, when they sent for Jesus... They sent a messenger. They chose someone they trusted, okay? You don't send just anyone with a message like this. You choose someone you trust. Now, our brother's sick. He may die, they said. We want you to go to Jesus. Make sure you see him. You got to see him face to face. You got to give him this message. He whom thou lovest is sick. So they chose this particular messenger. He went to Jesus. He delivered the message, and Jesus was on the, I looked this up, he was somewhere on the east side of Jordan. But you see, he had a plan. He waited two days. He didn't get in a hurry. Oh, I better hurry. Lazarus is sick. I better hurry. The girl sent for me. No, he waited because he was on a time frame. He had a plan in mind, and what he was going to do in the end was far greater than anybody expected or anticipated, and it blew everybody's mind. It was the miracle that led to his death. He waited two days, and then he said, okay, boys, it's time. We can go now, and the disciples headed off. So you see, somewhere between east side of Jordan, and he traveled, he walked, Jesus walked where he went. He traveled, and when he got to Bethany, he was right on time. You see, Lazarus' funeral was already over. The eulogy had already been said. Matter of fact, Jesus didn't sign the register. He didn't go to the funeral home. He didn't send a card. He didn't send flowers. Jesus missed it all. But did he miss it all? He had a plan, okay? He had a plan, and when he arrived in Bethany and he went straight to where he knew Lazarus was lived, he knew 
that Lazarus was dead. Martha come running out, and she said, where have you been? If you'd have come when we sent for you, our brother wouldn't have died. We all know the story, and I don't want to camp here. But Jesus talked to her, and then he says, where's Mary? So she goes in, and he said, Mary, the master's calling for you. So Mary goes out, and she said, echoes the same thing. You know, when we hang around certain people, we begin to talk like them. Okay, we begin to echo what we say, whether they're negative people or positive people, we begin to echo what we hear. Mary went out, who was the one that sat at his feet. She echoed what she had heard Martha grumble and complain all week. Had he only come when we called for him, we wouldn't be in this mess. Little did they know they were not in a mess. They were in a mess, but he was about to get them out in a supernatural, spectacular, miraculous way. And he's about to do the same for some of us here tonight. He's going to do something. He's on his way. So when they got there, and he said, okay, let's walk to the graveyard. We know the story. They went to the graveyard, and Jesus, how many of you know when Jesus asks a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. He's provoking you to thought. He wants you to think. He said, Which, where's his grave? Oh, that raised a few eyebrows. Can you see it? Okay. <laughs> that raised a few eyebrows. And they said, well, it's over here. And Jesus said, you know, somebody rolled the stone away. And they said, you know, he's probably stinking by now. Okay. Jesus said, roll the stone away. And he said, Lazarus, come forth. And out came Lazarus. And Jesus said, loose him and set him free. So I'm telling you tonight, he may be between Capernaum and Nain. He may be between the east side of Jordan and Bethany, but he's on his way. And he's going to find his way to your house. And he's going to listen to you and your petition. And he's going to answer your prayer. Why? Because he is a God that hears. He is a God that sees. You see, the little widow of Nain did not see Jesus in the crowd and may not have known him had she seen him. But we have a God that sees. We have a God that sees you cry in the middle of the night. We have a God that sees you on your knees when nobody else sees you on your knees. We have a God that sees you just as about your, your, your to take that, that drug overdose. We have a God that sees you when you're about to raise the bottle to your lips. We have a God that sees you when your heart is broken just like the little widow of Nain. We have a God that sees and a God that cares and he sees tonight. Now I didn't know till this afternoon about two that I was going to speak tonight. And I said, Lord, I've got some messages I could pull out. I've got that, but what do you want? He wants me to tell you tonight that he sees and that he's on his way. If you don't get anything else, I want you to leave here encouraged tonight. He sees and he's on his way. So tonight, remember Mary and Martha, okay? Uh, and and uh, another thing, when I ran this by my sister tonight, she reminded me of the time, and she began to cry. My sister began to weep in her house this afternoon, and then she came over to my side. We live in a duplex. She came over to my side, and she said, I just want to pray with you before you go speak to church tonight. I want the anointing on you, and I want to pray with you. And she said, do you remember? I'm talking about God being on a time limit. I'm talking about not feeling forgotten. I'm talking about that when the answer does come, it's going to so far surpass anything you've even asked for. He's going to blow your socks off. He's going to blow your mind. I'm telling you, when God does answer your prayer. Okay, so I can remember when my sister and I were toying with the idea 
I lived in Northview all my life. I uh, lived in a house. Uh, it was bought and paid for. I owed nobody in this world a dime. Nobody. And, uh, and my sister lived over in Staley, and she wanted me to, to sell my house, and she was going to sell hers, and we were going to pool our money and build a, a nice-sized duplex down here on Sapphire Lane. And it was one miracle after another, because I actually said, my, I am debt-free. And, you know, I mean, I was probably 18 years younger then, because I've, I've gone here close 20 years, just close. 20 years I've gone here. And I said, uh, I'm not sure I want to go into debt again. Let me pray about it. I'm just not sure that I want to go into debt. I don't mind living down here, and I went to church here anyway, but I'm just not sure about debt and, and all of this. I, I want to be cautious, okay? So I was eating supper one night over at 1820 on North 21st Street in Northview, and there was a knock on my door, and somebody said, would you like to sell this house? And I thought, man alive, why do you act? There was not a sign in the yard. There was nothing. And then my sister called and said, Rita, if you want to move down there, I think someone's going to get the land for us. I said, well, it seems like my mind's made up. So we decided, my sister and I, because she had animals and I have animals. So I said, whoever sold their house the first, we would just move in with the other one and take our animals and so forth. So I sold my house first. So I moved over to Staley with my sister and took my animal with me and, and we did well together, but man, it was coming close. It was the closing date. It, it was the closing date and my sister was worried and, and she was crying and she said, we got to sell and, and I haven't sold this. She said, I can't afford two house payments. I can't afford utilities at both houses. I can't afford this and I can't afford that. And so she was really upset. And so anyway, one day I went home and she wasn't crying anymore. And she said, I just got a word for the, from the Lord. And I said, well, what was the Lord? And she said, in Chronicles, when it said the battle, don't be discouraged. Don't be dismayed. The battle's not yours. It's mine. Okay? So one day some woman called, and we only had a couple days left where she was going to have two of this and two of that. I better her than me. But, I mean, you know. Um, but she was going to have two days of house payments and all this and so forth. So anyway, one day this woman walked in, and she had never been in my sister's house before, and she said, um, I think I, I, I want this house. All she did, she stood in the living room, and she said, I want this house. She said, my son was here. He looked at it, and he said, Mom, it's unique. It's just something that you would want. And she walked in, and she said, I can already tell I want this house. So that woman bought that house, and she paid cash for it. So within a couple of days, everything was wound up, and God was right on time. Had he come sooner, what were we going to do if we moved out sooner? Who's going to take me and my sister and all of our animals? I don't see any volunteers. Nobody's raising your hand. Who's going to take us? Thank you, brother. God bless you. Oh, you pointed to somebody else, didn't you? Oh, no, it was you. <laughs> Thank you. He would take me, okay? I'll remember that, okay? But, I mean, if he would have come, if, if that woman would have come sooner and we'd have sold any sooner, you know, do you know what I'm saying? And we couldn't move later. We had to... We, and, and it was right down to the wire. So in conclusion, I'm, I just want to say, I'm watching the time here. Point number two, here's point number two. There's people in tonight's text 
that was about to bury something that Jesus didn't want buried. Okay? He wanted to resurrect. I believe there's people in this room that feel like that you're going to bury a marriage, a relationship, um, a ministry, a dream, or whatever, and perhaps God wants to resurrect it. Maybe it's not time to bury it. Am I getting my point across? Jesus said, you're about to bury that young boy. I don't want him buried. I've got plans. I'm going to resurrect him. So tonight, I'm asking you to search your heart. You may not, he, he may be between Capernaum and Nain or the east side of Jordan and Bethany, but he's on his way. Sometimes it's difficult to be between the promise and the provision. Okay? So you've got a promise. You've got a promise. And so sometimes between the promise and the provision, do not create an Ishmael. Wait on the Lord. Stay out of Hagar's tent. Do not create an Ishmael. Okay? Because he's on his way. There may be something in your life. Don't bury it. Just, and it came to mind, I'm very conscious of the time. I won't keep you long. Okay? When Peter and John the fisherman got out of the boat and they were washing their nets. They were tired. He said, we've had it. We've had it. We're done fishing for the night. And they washed their nets and hung them up. Jesus strolled by. You see, he has a way of coming around at the last minute. But it's not the last minute for him. God's clock is never wrong. He's on time. Even if he is four days late, he's on time. Okay, so Jesus said, oh, you think you're tired? You're, you're tired? You say you fished all night? I'm telling you, get back in the boat. We've cleaned our net. Get back in the boat. We've toiled all night. We've cut. Get back in the boat. And when they got back in the boat, they caught more fish than they ever caught. Even counted them, 153. Their nets were about to break. And they had to call for help to bring in the haul of fish. So I'm telling you tonight that he's somewhere between Jordan and Bethany. He's somewhere between Capernaum and Nain. He's somewhere between the promise and the provision. But he's on his way. And just as surely as the Lord sent me two dozen roses when I didn't go get them, he told me to set you up here tonight. I'm here to encourage you tonight to keep praying. He's listening. He's got a plan. You may not be in that plan right now. And don't be too quick to bury some dreams and ministries. Don't be too quick to get out of the boat and wash your net. Get back in the boat and see what God has for you. So you do the math. When Jesus left Capernaum and went to Nain, it said that he walked through the night, the chill, the weariness. He walked uphill to get somewhere on time. He had a plan. He walked through a, a re rejected, despised city of Samaria to get to a woman at the well. He knew right when she's going to be there. He didn't get there. I mean, he waited on her. But he waited on her, and he saw her coming as he sat there. And what did he do? And I love this. I love this. Give me two more minutes. When she looked at him and she realized that he was a prophet, 
And he told her things that blew her mind. And she sat down. She said, who are you? Are you a prophet? Wouldn't you have liked to have seen the twinkle in his eye? Wouldn't you like to have seen the smile on his face? When he looked at her, this woman that nobody liked in the town rejected her. And he whispered his secret in her ear. I'm the Messiah. I am he who has come to deliver you of your sin. And before she left the well that day, she drank of that living water. He could walk through the middle of your curse. Jericho was a cursed city. He can walk right through the middle of your curse and stop the crowd and look up and say, Zacchaeus, get down. I'm going to your house today, bud. Oh, good grief. He's coming to my house. What am I going to do with him? I bet he went down slow. But you see, the tree that Zacchaeus climbed was planted years before he needed it. It was there just when he needed it. What I'm saying to you tonight in closing is God has not forgotten you. He has a plan. And he, nothing takes him by surprise. And when he shows up, and he's about to show up, I'm going to read my conclusion here. And then we're going to pray. Conclusion, what have you grown weary about? What have you given up on? What are you about to bury that God wants to resurrect? I got good news. He has a plan. <laughs> he's on a timetable and he's on his way. Leave this place in courage tonight. He has heard you. Psalm 121 says, my help comes from the Lord. Now, I'm just, this is just what I'm going to tell you. Church, he's on his way. America, he's on his way. Saint of God, He's on his way. Nina, he's on his way. Rosie, he's on his way. Linda, he's on his way. Kelly, he's on his way. Darlene, he's on his way. I could go around the room. Do not be discouraged. Do not go into Hagar's tent. Do not create an Ishmael. Say, Buddy, he better show up. It's about time. He's left Capernaum already, and he's marching to my house. He's on his way. So in conclusion, let me look you in the eye and say, don't be discouraged. Just as surely as I was to buy the roses, just as surely as the, my sister's house sold about two minutes before the midnight hour and we didn't have to find a place to stay or find a place for our precious little animals. It's so just in the nick of time. He's on his way. He'll show up. There's a miracle coming down your dusty road. Would you bow your heads, please? Heavenly Father, Someone else could have, may have done it better. But I have given your people tonight what I felt you laid on my heart this afternoon. Jesus, I pray that you would encourage the heart of every man, every woman, every youth that's in this house tonight. You've seen every tear. 
You've heard every plea. You have not turned a deaf ear. Your arm is not short nor your ear heavy. But you said, listen, I've left Capernaum and I'm almost to Nain. Listen, I've left the east of Jordan and I'm almost to Bethany. I'm coming your way. Be of good cheer. I've got a miracle for you. Before I pray for those that have come up, I want to ask tonight, before you leave tonight, I believe Jesus is coming soon. Is there anybody in this sanctuary tonight that you've not made things right with Jesus, the Son of God? You've just never invited him into your heart and made him Lord of your life. Is there anybody tonight that would just raise your hand and say, Rita, don't bring me up front. Don't embarrass me. But just, I want to know and I want to tell you that my heart's not right and I want to make it right tonight. Is there anybody? Usually on a Sunday night, there's not too many unsaved. But I'm going to go over here and before we close tonight, and if there's any of you out here that belong over here, I'm going to pray for you too. Okay? Heavenly Father, I look at these precious people tonight that I worship with. They're my sisters. They're my brothers. If I could fix their problem or answer their prayer, you know I would. I would give. I would buy. I would do. But I can't. But they've called upon you. And I want them to walk out of here. And I want them to get in their vehicles tonight. And I want them to climb in their bed tonight with the blessed assurance that you're on your way. And you have the answer to their prayer. And you'll come not always when they expect. But you're never early. You're never late. You're just on time. Thank you for these people, and thank you for the testimonies that we're about to hear. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Jewel City Podcast. You can join us in person Sundays at 10 a.m. or 6 p.m. We have something for all people and all ages. Or join our live stream at 10 a.m. 